Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a, a couple of weeks, a couple of sad weeks with, with no March Madness and no basketball to, to watch and, and throw remote controllers across the room when there's, you know, block charges calls that are messed up. Uh, but, but this is the, we continue on and this is the, the Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Podcast. I am Matt Minnick and of course I am joined by Michael Rogner and Michael, how how are you doing, man? How how's life? I'm I'm hanging in there, and it's it's good to talk to you. It's good to talk some basketball again. I've been I've been working from home, like a lot of people. It's my my dog thinks it's pretty much the greatest thing ever. And but I, I can't I can't help but think looking at this looking at the calendar that we'd have elite eight games on on TV today. You know, which is which is a, 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 I, I think back to last year, you know, we had that, you know, Carson Edwards scored like 42 and a loss to Virginia. You know, that was a great game. Uh, you know, Zion Williamson's final game as a, as a collegiate player. You know, there were some really great games in the Elite mm-hmm. Eight last year. And we, I, we don't get any this year, but it is what it is. There's still plenty of hoops to talk about. We've got lots of, uh, lots of news has been happening around the Florida State program. So it's good to hear, good to, good to hear your voice again. Yeah, no. Likewise, I, uh, I I work from home all the time, so my dog has uh, has been enjoying that for five years. But I will the uh, my travel back and forth to to where my various office sites are has has cut has been cut down to zero. So uh, I think my wife like well, I think she really liked it at first, and now we're just seeing so much of each other that I think she's wondering when I can go back and travel uh, to the office again somewhere. But uh, yeah, I think you know I. I'm going to be honest, I, I, today would have been, I think, us talking about Florida State in the Elite Eight, or, or maybe doing a, or yesterday, we would have done, a, we would have done a, a, a big preview for our Elite Eight matchup, because, uh, uh, I don't know, I had a feeling that this team was well put together, uh, but you're right, it, it has felt weird without having any of it on, and, and I'm sure we're all you know, hopeful that this will clear itself out so that next basketball season isn't impacted uh, in the start of the year. But as you mentioned, there has, there has been some basketball news, largely of the, of the player news, not, you know, or, I mean, team news in the sense of that, how the teams for next year are impacted, but, you know, as, as opposed to having a bunch of March Madness games going on, the players have gone ahead and got a jump on their NBA declarations and, and of course, this year's process is going to be weird because they're not having any of the big combines. 
a lot of players actually use the tournament as, as a real springboard to the NBA. We mentioned Fiondu Cavangeli really using that last year to his advantage. Uh, but, but nonetheless, teams are, you know, there's tape on guys. There's, you know, scouts go, go to games throughout the year. I, I've sat next to them a lot at FSU games. I had a couple real good conversations at the games uh, over in Destin this year, the Emerald Classic with some of the scouts. And so the players are making, are kind of receiving information as they can. And, and Florida State, if you are listening to this, you probably know has been impacted by that as we have seen a sophomore and a freshman, two guys declare early. For the NBA, they will join Trent Forrest and and Big Dom as as departures off of this ACC regular season title team. Uh, so, Michael, why don't we talk first about the sophomore Devin Vassell, who kind of came out of nowhere, at least on the national scene. We knew about him, but came out of nowhere and and had and had a, a really tremendous year and, and put himself in position to be to be maybe even a back end lottery pick. Yeah, he's he's probably in a pretty good position just because he has been here, you know, for two years. So there's a, there's a lot more film on him. Some of the some of the scouts were probably catching on at the end of last year that you know this was going to be an NBA player. So you know he 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 you know probably has a considerably more uh, you know time in front of scouts' eyes than someone like Patrick Williams. Uh, it was it was kind of funny actually. I I got up one morning and I and I. And I opened up the, the Facebook, and there's a there's Devin Vassell hawking t-shirts, and, and that was before he announced. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, here we go. And yeah. then you know, like four hours later, the you know the official announcement comes out. Not that there was, you know, not that there was much. Uh, That's like know, the MB5 shirts and and memorabilia from Malik Beasley, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he followed the uh, Malik Beasley um, path to the NBA, uh, which is start making money as soon as you can. So good for him. Um, yeah, so I, I I think that most of the of the fake drafts I've seen are are kind of have him sort of the tail end of the of the uh, uh, lottery, and it's it's hard to imagine him, you know, going like in the top ten or anything. But it's also hard to imagine him slipping out of the first round of He's just he's just got too much going for him in terms of the ability to knock down shots and defend and with his length and athleticism it's just he's he's built to be a long term uh role player in the NBA and 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 he'll definitely you know be going probably in in, in the teens I would guess Yeah he is you know it, he doesn't have Zion Williamson athleticism but although we should probably never even say that because nobody has maybe him and Russell Westbrook Uh, but I wouldn't say that when you when you put Devin Vassell next to 20 other NBA players I don't know that his athleticism is remarkable I I think it's it's right there in that average NBA player athleticism And, and we're talking about the best athletes in the world when when you when you're thinking about the combination of size, speed, length, uh, uh, lateral agility, explosiveness. I mean, NBA players are, are the best athletes. So uh, he, he pro- that probably will prevent him from going top, you know, eight to 10, like you said, but he does have remarkable length for, for his position. He does have plus shooting. He is a tremendous team defense player and, and has a, a natural knack for being around the ball. We, we saw that a lot just his freshman year. Anytime he came in the game, he was making plays. And he's also demonstrated a, a real ability to, at least in the two years that we've seen him, to improve his game. And he's added elements to it. Uh, and so I, I think it's a player that NBA teams can project out. He hasn't reached his ceiling with the right team, I wouldn't even be surprised if he were a starter at some seasons during his career, although he, he certainly can be a, a fantastic sixth man, maybe even a sixth man of the year type person uh, who, who is able to get it done on both sides, like a Sean Elliott or, or something like that. Um, so, I, yeah, he's, he's an NBA player for sure. I'm curious, Michael, what did you think, you know, I felt that maybe Tomahawk Nation was a bit higher on him than most, you know, coming out of high school, you know, look, talking to some of the folks in the Atlanta area. I know I felt that he was an NBA player potential coming to college. I don't know that I would have guessed it had been after two years, maybe, maybe junior year, but 
what did you think about his just a guy like him under the radar recruit his uh you know his progression at Florida State and and the impact that he had in his two I mean is do you will you look back and think of him as like an impact player at Florida State for two years yeah well I, I kind of let you uh convince me on that one I remember when you were comparing him to Jeremy Lamb when before he even got to Florida State and and uh so you know we we kept a close eye on on Vassell once he got here and and you know I, I don't want to go too far back into the the way back machine for old people but you know I remember watching Bob Sura come onto the court um in the in the you know sort of preseason game the first time that you can actually see players and not many people knew who he was, and you watch him go through the layup line, and it's like, yep, that guy's going to be a star. Oh, Wilkesboro, and, Bobby. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Vassell was kind of the same way. Like, he, did, he didn't play that much as a freshman, but you, you could see that all of those skills were there. You know, the ability – the NBA is a – you got to be able to – you got to be able to knock down shots. It's a, you you got to be able to make jump shots unless you're Zion um, or maybe Ben Simmons or something. But – you could see that he had the length to just go over people. You know, it, it doesn't matter if, you, if he's closely guarded, you know, because he can just, uh, you know, get into like 15 feet and go over most of the guys that, that are guarding him. And, th and then this year, you know, he, he really got off to a good start. You know, he, uh, you know, up through um, probably January, he was like the Ken Palm MVP in almost half the games that we played. It, it was – it was impressive to watch, but also, um, you know, if you think about the, the system that Florida State runs where you got, you know, 12 guys and, and he, you know, he's getting subbed out for someone like Wyatt Wilkes, you know, which you're not, you're not seeing that on a bunch of other teams. Um, and, you know, his ability to just embrace all of, you know, that role and do all those things, even though it was, it was pretty clear that he could do things that other guys on the court couldn't do. It was, it was just impressive how, you know, completely bought in he was as a player on both ends of the court. And, and I, I think that kind of goes, uh, you know, a long way towards uh, uh, the, N, you know, the NBA uh, really values getting to know guys. And, uh, you know, Devin's going to be one of those guys that's really easy to get to know. The coaches just rave about him. He's got a great personality, works his ass off. You know, he embraces the team. He does what coaches wants him to do. So, you know, I, I, there are, this is one of those players that there are probably zero red flags, you know, going into the NBA. He hasn't been injured. He hasn't, you know, caused any problems. He had that one game, what was it, Syracuse, where he had to sit out. and that He was had the Terrence Mann suspension? Yeah, he probably, you know, missed a class or something. Like, that's, that, that's, that's Devin being bad. So, yeah, he'll be fine, and he'll definitely be missed because, you know, you asked if he was an impact player, and, yeah, he he was the guy for FSU this year offensively, um, and 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 along with Trent, you know, sort of one of one of the top defenders in the in the conference. So he's not going to be easy to replace. But you know, I also said that exact same thing about Terrence Mann, and then we come back with a better team. So you know, who knows? But he will be missed. Yeah, he he to me he will be missed. And I felt like the Georgia Tech game his freshman year. Playing, playing near his hometown and, and uh, had a lot of family out there. I felt like that game was when I first was able to say, see, see, yeah, huh, that guy, that guy's going to be an NBA player. Uh, and then and then when he hit the, what was it, the Virginia Tech, he hit the three from the corner. I mean, bullet passed to him, and he was just, I mean, a freshman, standing there in the corner, cocked and ready, let it fly, hit the three to send the game into overtime, which, of course, Terrence Mann eventually won with a crazy runner that not not very uh, different from Kawhi Leonard's runner for Toronto last year uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. So you could see that he had he had like you said that talent. And this year he really I mean what was it the Virginia Tech game? He was seven for seven from three. He he may I mean, he he has better athleticism than maybe someone might give him credit for because he kind of looks silky smooth. And, and to your point about teams getting to know him, I had the pleasure, and I, and I mean pleasure, to, to talk with him on quite a few occasions uh, over the last 18 months. And he, he is just, I mean, he's wise beyond his years in terms of his uh, insight on the game and, 
always willing to defer credit to teammates and just, you know, he's thoughtful and, and gives real responses to questions. So I know as these guys, I think they're going to be doing a lot of uh, virtual interviews with teams as they get ready for the draft. I, I just can't imagine that an NBA executive wouldn't see the same, you know, likable, thoughtful, intelligent uh, person, mature individual that I've gotten to know over the last couple of years. So, so, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be a multimillionaire pretty soon, like in a few months, he's going to be a multimillionaire. And that's, that is fantastic for someone who's worked, worked hard for him. Uh, well, let's come back. I want to come back to a conversation about like the fact that Leonard Hamilton turned a guy who wasn't even, I mean, he took an official visit to North Florida. He took an official visit to Stetson and then he's an NBA pick in two years later. Let's put a pin in that. Um, the other, the other, so now we've got our third one and done. Pat Williams joins John Isaac and Malik Beasley as a, as an FSU one and done player. He's a guy who shot up the recruiting rankings in his senior year. He, he played for a West Charlotte team that, you know, low income school that didn't have a ton of uh, D one talent on it, but, but Pat Williams was certainly, uh, you know, a, a star there. And, and by the end of his senior year, it was pretty surprising to me that he, he actually wasn't the highest ranked player in North Carolina. Uh, Wendell Moore had that honor, but you know, Wendell Moore had no K season at Duke. I, I don't think he's made a declaration yet. I probably would expect him back for his sophomore year. Pat came and, and had that early game against Western Carolina where he put FSU on its back late and, and sealed the win. And then you talk about how Devin was the MVP of maybe up through January about half the games. I think one of the reasons why Devin's MVPs started to get a little bit more sporadic was because we saw a rapidly developing Pat Williams uh, in the second half of the season. Anybody who was in the tuck for the Louisville game will never forget his steal and dunk against the Cardinals. So talk to me a little bit about Pat Williams as a prospect and and Pat Williams uh, kind of one and done legacy at Florida state, maybe rank, rank him with the other one and dones or compare him with Isaac and, and Beasley. I, I think his, his, you know, you mentioned the, 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 you know, kind of second half uh, flourish that he had. And it kind of started with the, with the North Carolina game where we, we won that close game at home and he had like 14 points and nine boards and a lot, a lot of big plays. And then, you know, then he was off to the races. He, you know, he did shoot up the draft rankings or the uh, the, the the recruiting rankings. Um, you know, as a, as a senior in high school, but he still only you know came in as like what like twenty six. Yeah, mid mid twenties, I think, like borderline yeah, so, five star. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's you know you don't see a ton of one and dones out of out of that out of that spot, but he uh, will most likely be a first rounder. You know, he joins Fiondu as as one of these guys who is, is likely going to be a first rounder without ever starting a game in college, which is, which is kind of crazy. Um, you know, very uh, uh, different player from our previous one and done, you know, but Malik Beasley had a absolutely recognizable skill that's, that's usable in the NBA. That is, that and, he's showing off in the NBA right now. He is, he is raining, making it rain from three. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's taken him a few years, but he's, he's basically been on an NBA roster like, pretty much the whole time he's been in yeah. the NBA, right? And and Isaac was injured, but you know, he also could go to go to the NBA and and make an immediate impact had he not been saddled with with injuries. And Patrick Williams, I don't think really fits that category. I think he's gonna be uh, you know, more on the, the Fiondu or Terrence Mann trajectory to the NBA. He'll he'll get, he'll go in the first round and then he, he I don't I don't know that he actually is on the roster next year of an NBA team. He's he's got a ton of skills. He's got a a, a, a you know a body that's that's made for the NBA. He's got those giant hands he can jump through the roof. Uh, he he just doesn't do you know the kind of the knock on him and the reason he wasn't ra- ranked in the top 15 is that he's got all these skills but he hasn't figured out how to put them all together to be this be this dominant alpha player and I, I think that description still fits uh, it's uh, unfortunate for FSU fans that we don't get to see him as a sophomore because I think next year's development you know, could be could be pretty intense with this guy, and he's going to be doing it in the G League rather than the ACC, and and good for him. And I, I hope that that he gets drafted, you know, around twentieth or something. But uh, we shall see on that. 
Um, so yeah, you know, Patrick is, has been a, a fantastic uh, addition to this year's team, but certainly didn't have the impact that Devin uh, had, uh, but that, 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 that would probably change had Patrick Williams come back next year. Yeah, he, I, I will have to say that. So first of all, Patrick, and, and I don't know why it's, it's, I shouldn't even mention this, right? Like th- this is just the norm now at FSU, but Again, Patrick is another wonderful, thoughtful, mature, wise beyond his years person. And in interviewing, it's going to be very easy for an NBA team to, to fall in love with him. They've already seen the tape, and then they'll realize, wow, there's a, there's a great guy behind the tape. So I, I could see him going higher than 20, honestly, if only because I, I just don't know that this year's draft has – has a lot of certainties in it and and it's it's not because of covid or anything like that this year's this year's crop just isn't quite like last year it was well you got zion and and ja morant you know and those guys are going to be superstars in the nba you know and year before that um luka Doncic is is a generational type of like he he would he was going to be in there and that doesn't even begin to start talking about the Trey Young's and a lot of the other talent that was at the top. I'm not sure that this year's class has that next year's does next year's draft class is absolutely loaded. I think that probably played into Patrick's decision. Um, but so what I think NBA teams are going to see is they're going to see a guy who, like you said, has incredible athleticism and, and just the physicality of, of an NBA player. And he's the second youngest player in the class. Only uh, the only guy older, I think in terms of like relevant for second round picks is, or the only guy younger is LaMelo ball. So he, he is someone that my guess is he, he really would have benefited from the NCAA tournament. I, I think a final four run from Florida state probably shoots Pat up into maybe like back end lottery discussions, but without it, I, I do still think he'd be a first rounder. I agree with you that he spends next, a lot of next year in the G league. Those, those two way contracts that the NBA has now is perfect for a guy like Pat to really develop. I'd imagine by his second contract, by his second, you know, third year, maybe he's looking at a massive contract as a guy who is somewhere, you know, a poor man's like Paul George or like, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be a, a, an NBA, a 10 time NBA all-star, but the type of six, eight, six, nine wing who can shoot from deep, get to the rim, alter games defensively and, and could be looking at a multiple year NBA starter. Uh, once he get, I mean, remember he's, he's like 19 right now. So, um, he, he's, he could work for four or five years and still just be in his mid twenties. I think the sky's the limit for Patrick Williams. If he had returned to Florida state, I, I probably would have been thinking of us as an early top five team. And, uh, and yeah, his, his growth next year would have been, my guess is remarkable, I don't know that he would have actually increased his draft position all that much. Maybe he goes from 18th to, you know, 12th because next year's draft is that loaded. Uh, but I do think that he would have been a, a superstar in the ACC and, and well-known nationally uh, if, if he had come back for his second year. Uh, when you think of one and dones, when you go back and you're, and let's say it's five years from now, where will you put him like maybe more impact than, or, or, you know, more better talent than Malik, but not John, John Isaac, or where, where do you think of Pat in the sort of like recent, you know, freshman that, I mean, you could throw Dwayne Bacon in there too, even though Dwayne was took two years uh, before the NBA. Yeah, I I think, ironically the least talented of them was Malik Beasley but he probably had the biggest impact just because he he played on a bad team he I think he he played maybe the most minutes that a freshman's ever played uh, aside from uh, Rattan Mays for for Florida State Uh, I I think of a more John Isaac um, impact at Florida State like Isaac really came on at the end of that of his freshman year and you could, you could see by the end of the year, just what an absolute stud he was. Yeah. That Notre Dame game at home. Yeah. yeah, And Pat Williams is kind of the, kind of the same this year, you know, where he just, he he really came on in the second half and and you could see, uh, you know, what a stud he was going to be. He he led Florida state in block shots, which is, which is bizarre. 
you know, to have a, have, have a wing out there doing that. And then he and Vassell were either tied. I think, I think Vassell got him by one with, in, in the, in the dunks uh, category. So uh, I, yeah, so I, I would put um, a Pat right there with, with, with John Isaac in terms of, of where I would, would rank our, our uh, one and dones in terms of impact, but you know Beasley, we kind of for we he kind of slips out of the conversation because you know he was he was lower ranked coming in, so he wasn't as highly thought of when when he first took the court. And then he also played for a team that just wasn't you know all that good. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned the dunks. Vassell maybe got him by one in the dunks, but but played quite a bit more minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I Pat Pat was is able to he he attacks the rim with aggression and that is that might be right now one of the best uh, traits he's got going for him although you can see that developing that mid range jumper off the dribble is is certainly developing there as well. Um, speaking of John Isaac, he had a great article in the the tribute the Players Tribune just about his journey his experience. I mean. Boy, another guy who you can't help but fall in love with when when you talk to him and interview him. But he he talks about how he he loved Tallahassee so much. Uh, he he just embraced the culture, the vibe, the the staff, the the community. He wanted to come back for his sophomore year. If you haven't read the article, go check it out. I think it was linked in one of the the Tomahawk Nation Null News, maybe the Friday Null News. But he talked about you know I, I wanted to come back from I I felt like there was some unfinished business and I just loved being there. And basically, the coaching staff, I guess, would be Stan Jones, just kind of said, "That ain't happening, son. You're, you're, we're gonna go. We're, we're kicking you out uh, because you, you are, are have been blessed with this opportunity to have uh, life and community changing money, and and he is doing a lot of help for the Orlando community. I kind of feel like I'm not. I wasn't in the room. I, I feel like there maybe could have been that conversation with Pat this year. Did, did, I mean, is he? You know, uh, I don't know. Maybe I can come back. We didn't get to go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I've always wanted to do that. And, and you know, the coaching staff kind of saying that that's not happening. Do you like that approach by the coach? I mean, is that is that the kind of guy that or the kind of world that you'd want to send your son or your basketball player to? Absolutely. That's one of the, one of the high points of this staff is that, you know, these, these, these guys are coming here, the, the Patrick Williams and, and, uh, you know that that type of player, Scotty Barnes, coming in next year. They're they're coming here to go to the NBA. They're they're you know this is like you know your your son goes off to business school, and then you know what what advice do you want the want the want those the people that run that school giving your son? You know he he's there to 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 get a job. He's not he's not coming in to you know college basketball is just a a, a way to help prepare him for that job. Yeah. And professional uh, development you know, is what it is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and ham is uh, completely upfront with all these guys about, you know, about all of that stuff. And uh, coach young tells some funny stories about, about John Isaac when, when Isaac came to him and said, coach, I think I'm thinking about ca- coming back. And he, and uh, he's like, come here, son, I got something to tell you. And, and, and uh, you know, sort of lay down the law with them, but, but, so it, it's it's great for the coaches that their their interest in these players is genuine. You know, their the the interest in in developing them as as uh, you know young men going out into out into their life is is totally genuine. And that's and there there was a time you know when everybody was screaming fire ham. Like this was one of the things that we had to like hang hang the hat on to to not fire him you know was was just the the way that he was developing uh the people in his uh you know around him and you know now that now that Florida State's really good it's 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 probably not talked about as much as it, as it should but th- this is a great illustration you know the last couple of years with with Biondu and Devin and and Patrick Williams and, and you know going out and and having 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 the staff sort of you know kick them out of the nest a little bit yeah yeah it, it's you know a coach who probably gets blasted by a lot of folks that maybe haven't had a chance to to be around uh the the program or just you know listen to him more but it's it kind of reminds me frankly of john calipari and and that's another uh culture and community that the play, the former players of kentucky 
just heap immense amounts of praise on Calipari for being honest with them, being upfront with them. And, and look, like it's not about like you're bigger than one March madness run in at Kentucky and, and, you know, developing you as a, as a professional and, and as a person, I, I don't know that um, I haven't been around that enough to know, you know, that they have, the same types of um, fatherly figure type of role that Hamilton plays with, with his guys and all of the, all the work that uh, Hamilton does around the parents and whatnot. But I do know that uh, it, they, they often get very similar NBA advice. Going back to what it's interesting, what you said when I'm just sitting here listening and you, and you rattle off names like Pat Williams, Scotty Barnes, John Isaac, but then also Devin Vassell, Fiondu Cabangeli, and even going further back like a Bernard James, all players who end up in the NBA um, or in Scotty Barnes will end up in the NBA. Uh, you know, Terrence Mann uh, also in that category, but the, the talent that the way in which they're coming in and the kind of talent that is being acquired and developed is, is really vastly different. You know, you've got guy, Pat Williams was going to be an NBA player, whether or not um, that happened after his first year or his second year, you know, that, that was just a matter of when, not if that's not the case for Fiondu Cabangeli or even a Devin Vassell, despite how high I might've been on him coming out of high school. You know, those are guys that who, who didn't even have offers from, like their local, like Georgia Tech didn't even, you know, so uh, offer Vassell. So they didn't even have offers from their local kind of D1 school, let alone the major blue blood type of offers. And yet with two or three years of um, development at Florida State, they become NBA picks. Terrence Mann is one of those like, you know, borderline top 100, but probably never going to be in the NBA. And all of a sudden, like his junior and senior year, he develops a shot. He keeps improving. And, and he's not only in the NBA, but has been, he's played for the Clippers some this year on a loaded team. And, and, and even though he was a second round pick, got a guaranteed contract for two years. Let's talk a little bit about just like the sustainable, like, a, how has Hamilton been able to kind of creatively piece together some of these rosters? But B, is it is it absent of this year or the twenty nine wins last year? Like, is it sustainable with the current types of people that he somehow like is unearthing these these gems and developing them into NBA players two and three years later? Yeah, he he definitely gets an A plus for for. Uh... Uh, you know, very, the, the, you know, the, the, the variety of ways that he can get talent into this program, looking at next year's roster, you've got Scotty Barnes, who's, you know, everybody's all American and in high school, you got a couple of guys, Balsa and MJ Walker, who are, are, uh, you know, solid four-star players and then likely to be around for a while. You got some guys that, that were, you know, three stars that are developing, looking good going into their junior year uh, you got a JUCO stud coming in next year. You got Malik Osborne, who 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 transferred in from Rice after his freshman year. You know, you got a couple other JUCO guys. It's just they're they're reaching far and wide for talent, and that's a, that's a great uh, sign of how how deep their uh, um, their connections are for 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 finding these guys. But you know, you look at Fiondu and and Devin, and it's not sustainable. You know, nobody is making a living off of recruiting three star guys and turning them into first round draft picks. Nobody's doing it. Uh, Texas Tech, Chris Beard had a couple of guys um, in back to back drafts that were three stars, and and now Florida State's going to have a couple of guys in back to back drafts that are three stars. But every every coaching staff in the on the planet is out looking for those guys that are under the radar and that can come into their system. And be uniquely developed and Hamilton's going to have a higher hit rate because of because of how deep his connections are but it's but it's it's not sustainable at all you know you look at, at Virginia's roster next year they're likely going to be the number one team in the nation they have zero guys who are ranked in the in the top 35 in the nation but they have eight guys that were be, between 40 and and 140 so you know that they are uh, sort of the model for how you you uh, win in the NCAA when you can't recruit with Kentucky and Duke and, and all those schools. And so what where Florida State is is that 
you know, we've, we've kind of gotten to the point where we can get one of those guys every other year or so, but uh, in order to make it sustainable, I really think that we need to see a much higher hit rate on those guys that are ranked between like 30 and 120 or something, you know, the, the, the solid four-star players like Balsa, you know, you, you got to be bringing in guys like that. I mean, we're, we're going to have three blue chips on the roster next year, assuming, assuming things don't change. And that, that you, you, it's difficult as hell to com- compete with North Carolina and Duke and Louisville, you know, when they have eight, eight or nine guys who are, you know, Duke's going to have like eight guys who are top 50 recruits. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just a different world and ham has, has had tremendous success with it in the last couple of years. And I think next year's team is also going to be really good, but if we don't start landing, you know, having a much higher hit rate on those four stars, then, you know, you, you could see Florida state slipping, slipping down a couple notches. Yeah. It's, it's kind of sobering when, it, when, you know, that's a great stat about UVA having no top 35 guys and eight guys in between, I guess, 40 and what, 140, you said? Yeah. Uh, that, that's, and Florida State in that range has, what, two, I guess, next year? MJ and, and Bolsa? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that is a, that's a real sobering statistic. And that, the, please don't hear me as saying, I think we're going to be bad next year. Actually, we'll probably do a little way too early look at the schedule. And I, I don't, I think we'll win 20 plus games. Um, but, you know, it, it makes me, when we went, there was that moment maybe in like 2015 or so when, so FSU had that remarkable rise up that culminated in an ACC championship in 2012. By the way, those teams had exactly what you're talking about. They were littered. I mean, eight, seven or eight blue chips. They were littered with the, with the Ian Millers, Coral Whites, uh, Luke Laux, D- David Isdulkis, all these players, uh, Xavier Gibson, that were between 40 and 140-ish. And, 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 then, and then something, you know, we had that weird transition trying to change systems and philosophies, and we really had a few bad teams. And and it, it strikes me as what what went right with Fiondu and Devin that didn't go right with Robert Gilchrist and uh, you know Boris or something. You know, like the Devin probably was about as highly regarded as Robert Gilchrist when we recruited him. I, now I can tell you that I can look at the tape and I can say that Devin Vassell is a better was is and has always been a better basketball player, but something to your point, not every under the radar gym is going to be a a first round draft pick. And, and you're going to recruit guys who become Robert Gilchrist. And, and so with, without the talent, like, I think we we're never going to be Kentucky that's bringing in what, like six top 25 or 35 players or something like that. But let, let me ask you a couple, I'll just ask a couple of direct questions. And number one, do you think we've reached a point where we can consistently bring in at least one top 30 kid? Like the, the, it doesn't have to be Scotty Barnes, who's top five, but a Pat Williams, we can bring in one top 30 ish kid a year. Do you think we've reached that point? Yeah, it seems like it, 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 you know, we've had, you know, in the last few years, MJ, Scotty Barnes, um, or no, uh, Patrick Williams, you know, they, Isaac they all, before that. Yeah, Isaac. They they all fit that that category. So it's so it seems just looking at the data, Bacon. You know, we, we if you go back the last like seven years, we've probably yeah. had seven guys or whatever that, that that fit that conversation. So I think that's fair. It's so we we can have maybe one of those, which is great. I love those guys. They love me some John Isaacs and Pat Williams. Um, do you think that we can? Do you think that we can get more? Like, I guess. To me, I'm thinking like Terrence Mann and Trent Forrest. Is, is it realistic to get two more of those in each class? Like, like what Ter- Trent, I want to say, was in, the, in like the 50 range and Terrence was like 90. Can we get two more of those in each class? One more of those? Yeah, that's that's the trick is is you have to get to, you know, you have to be bringing in a couple of good guys like that every year. And I think Siddhar Calhoun, who's one of the top probably two Juco players in the country, kind of kind of kind of fits. Yeah, he, even though, he would be a top 60 guy if he yeah. was coming out of high school. Right. But he's coming in as a junior. Um, and, you know, who knows what we're going to get on the on the grad transfer market. But but where we're at right now, when you don't have 
you know, Balsas and MJs and, and Trent and, 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 uh, you know, all, all those guys, Terrence Mann that you can develop over four years is that your hit rate on all the other guys has to be crazy high. You know, Anthony polite was ranked like one, one eighty or something. And he's way better than most of the guys who, who were ranked around him. You know, Raekwon Gray was ranked to one sixty, and I think he's going to have a really good junior season. Um, you know, Malik Osborne wasn't ranked at all, but you know, he, he's obviously a, a, you know, contributing player. You, you just, you have to, be killing it on those guys and right now we are yeah right now we are exactly that's why that's why we are a good team because you can roll guys like anthony polite off off the bench and he comes in and he's one of the best defenders in the conference he can knock down threes you know but if if you're whipping on those guys suddenly suddenly you know you you turn into clemson or boston college boston Boston college College, their their rosters are littered with guys who are in the low 100s and 200s yeah and and they're bad basketball teams yeah that's exactly now now i will say that boston college is not bringing in the one top 30 guy a year which is a difference but i guess that's ultimate and and you know this isn't this is you know more philosophical or hypothetical i don't think we're going to answer it on this podcast but i guess that's the question if you're an fsu basketball fan and you're thinking out okay well we got hamilton here he looks like he's about 50 he seems to get younger looking each year they really seem they the staff have really seemed to be on the forefront of this kind of modern basketball system that they're running that that takes advantage of the talent that is that is coming out of the southeastern United States um, and, and then going out and finding other talent that fit it and I but I guess the question is that you'd have to ask is do we think did something fundamentally change around 2016 whether it was a new addition of the staff or a different way of evaluating players that is allowing us to have a hit rate so high on Anthony Polite, Raekwon Gray, you know, Fiondu Cabangeli, Devin Vassell, uh, Maliga. Like, did something change in the way we're evaluating players and we have some magic secret sauce that, that, that most other teams in the country wish they had? Or have we gotten lucky, you know, at some point that some of these players, that Anthony Polite, you know, developed the way he is doing and has, you know, added the, the right, uh, added a, maybe an inch or so and added the right, uh, you know, kind of strength and, and skills that Fiondu Cabangeli grew four inches after he came to Florida State and, and slimmed down and stuff. So, you know, do, do we think that, and maybe there's a combination of both. It's not a, a, it's not a black and white world, but you know, it hasn't been more in that we've, we've become better evaluators. We added someone to the staff. It hasn't become, you know, more that we, we frankly are having an unsustainable hit rate. And if we don't see more Bryce McGowan's, who is right in that range that you're talking about, uh, that we could, we could have trouble in, in a few years. You know, a guy like uh, Terrence Shannon, who's at Texas Tech this year, would have been really nice as a recruit last year. We recruited him hard. He chose Tech over us. C.J. Walker is a four-star right in that range who's now at Ohio State and left. Ike Obiagu. Um, uh, Tommy Polly was kind of that, like, around 100, 120. I know he's at UConn. Not sure how great he's doing. But we got to get more Bryce McGowan's or, or else, I don't know, do you think something's changed fundamentally in the way we are evaluating under-the-radar prospects? I think that the one thing that's giving us a, a good advantage is that they have uh, the 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 staff over the last six years or whatever has successfully uh, uh, categorized the intangibles that they think are are very important in a player. So they are they're eliminating a ton of of talented players based on. Uh, how much how much they work out on their own you know in high school like so some of these things that we don't really think about mm-hmm. you know oh they're they're just they're just going out going after talent you know but but they're not they're going after very specific uh, guys that have that have very specific qualities and you know that's why everybody talks about FSU's bench during the game you know and, and how close FSU's team is you know the stuff isn't isn't because our coaches are really good at at, at getting them to be close our coaches are really good at recruiting the right guys Mm -hmm. um, for for, for, for florida state but 
Um, there's not a lot of coaches that are that are in the Hall of Fame that that are there because they coached like they coached up a lot of three stars. You know, you you great players make great coaches, and if you're if you're not um, getting that talent, then you're going to be in a heap load of trouble. And and North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, those guys can bring in you know four Scotty Barnes a year. You know, so so it makes it way easier on them. Um, if if you're going to recruit against Duke and North Carolina and Kentucky and Kansas and all those schools, you, you gotta be winning some of those battles. And and the, if if we were to go like a couple years without winning those battles, then uh, you know Florida State is in, is is going to be in a rough patch. Whereas a school like North Carolina can have a totally shitty season this year and go out next year and be a top ten team. I'm not saying they're going to be, but they certainly uh, are recruiting the talent. Um, to go from being the go from the bottom of the ACC to the top of the ACC, and Florida State, you know, has not shown that we can do that. You know, that we can go out and land, you know, four guys that are all like top thirty recruits. Um, so, and and and, and until this staff, um, you know, proves that it can do that, you know, I am I am sticking with the uh, opinion that we have to have a better hit rate on those middle range guys, and if and if we don't, then. Uh, then trouble is ahead. I think that's really well said. I don't know that I, it, at least on this podcast that I have too much. To, I think your point, your point about them self-reflecting, self-scouting and knowing like these are the traits that make, that are successful in what we're trying to do. And, and that, that, that is a, a really well stated and, and uh, I think spot on uh, assessment. It, it helps too that they, they've Hamilton has, put a staff around him that has really good local and deep connections in Georgia, really deep connections now in South Carolina with, with uh, new coach Steve Smith and, and really good connections in uh, North Carolina with himself, uh, with Leonard Hamilton himself. And then, and of course, Stan has a lot in the Mississippi, Alabama and other areas and and Florida, you know, we're going to have. So, I think they've put together a great staff and, and, and they've really done a nice job of identifying what works in their system. Let's take, let's, but let's leave it at that. We can have another, we can come back to this in the future. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's, let's do a little bit of way to, you know, we've talked about North Carolina and Virginia and these teams. Well, let's see, how do we think as of things uh, stand right now? Um, maybe like Florida state's place uh, uh, next, what they need and, and, you know, place next year. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we are back. So uh, before we get right back into the ACC, let me, let me ask you this. What are the – we know now that Devin and Pat are gone. What would you like to see Florida State add for next year? We have, a, we have a lot of players who have a lot of experience in this system coming back. Let's assume that MJ Walker stays. There hasn't been an announcement yet. Let's assume he stays. Let's also assume that we are not done. We are going to add pieces. I think it's been a – uh, we've seen a trend where we add at least one solid grad transfer every year. So what would you like to see position or maybe not even position, but like skill wise added to Florida state's team next year over, over the next couple of months? We're, we're currently at 10 players, I believe. And we, uh, out, of, out of 13 scholarships. So there's, there's definitely room, you know, to be bringing in uh, uh, guys most likely through the transfer market Based on, you know, Ham's philosophy, I can't imagine going into next year without another seven-footer. Uh, so I, I would imagine that one of the guys, and w- whether whether that's Nahima Cloud or, you know, whoever else, uh, somebody's going to be coming in to give us a little more uh, uh, muscle down low to go along with Balsa. And what, the, 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 what I would like to see is somebody – be brought in as a transfer who is a knockdown shooter. We have uh, Sadar Calhoun, um, MJ Walker. Um, you know, we could probably throw Wyatt Wilkes in there. He's 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 and been polite. a good shooter. Polite, polite's a good Polite, shooter. 
Yeah, Polite is developing. He was he was like thirty five percent this year after being twenty something the year before. Yeah. Um, but and I some some low volume guys like Evan and Os Evans and Osborns who you know who who have proven that they can shoot. But but I think we really need another uh, shooter to to spread the floor. Um, and then I, I would anticipate just again based on Ham's track record that he's going to be going after some sort of combo guard on, on the transfer market. You know, we've seen Florida State is involved with Trey Wirtz, who is a, a transfer out of Santa Clara, um, you know, out here in, on the West Coast Conference. He uh, is from North Carolina, but he came out west to, to play for Herb Sendek. And he, he, you know, he's, he's typical Florida State guys, like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, long, um, athletic, plays both ways. He's a, he's, he can run points. Uh, he's defensive, you know, good, really good defensive player. I, I would, I would anticipate the Florida State bring in someone like that. But, but to to my preference, I would much rather be focusing, you know, on somebody who can come in and just stand in the corner and knock down forty two percent of their shots or whatever. Yeah, no, I think yes, I, I would always love it. I actually think Florida State's gonna be a pretty good shooting team next year. However, I think it's gonna be as it stands right now. They look like a good shooting team in terms of everybody can kind of shoot. Uh, but maybe not, maybe not like Devin Vassell, who is just like you better go out and guard that guy. Although, although MJ Walker did make about thirty nine percent of his threes in conference play, and conference play was twenty of the thirty games this year. So perhaps MJ's senior year, he takes one more step up in that category. Remains to be seen in Calhoun. I have pretty high hopes for Calhoun. I think he can be a guy who you know you come play a Syracuse two three zone, and he he could go he could go seven for ten. Uh, but but until a guy's on the court and, and proved it at D one, never a sure bet. So I would like to, I agree with you about the seven footer. I, I actually would like to, I'm going to be honest and say, if, if you gave me the choice of replacing Nate Jack with Naheem McLeod, I'd take that right now and still have three more scholarships uh, to, to give out. So I would love to have a seven footer. I think McLeod fits what we like to do. We recruited him for a reason, familiar with the system. Uh, this is if you were making me like the czar of FSU basketball right now, and I could just wave a magic wand. I'd really like a bouncy forward who you know, I anticipate Scotty Barnes grabbing a lot of defensive boards and leading the break uh, on the way back. I, I think that that is a skill set that we're bringing him in to do. No better way to start a fast break than with the guy who who rebounded it. Uh, so I, I, I would love kind of a bouncy forward, whether that guy can shoot or not, uh, be, be the same person who also is the knockdown shooter that can, can run that break. Someone that would have played the Pat Williams or Devin role who can run that break with, with Scott, uh, Scotty and, and slam down the, the lob on the other end, because I don't like Raekwon Gray, Malik Osborne. Those, those are kind of like under the rim guys. I don't know that Balsa is necessarily going to be like running the fast break with Scotty. Of course, MJ could and Polite could, but they're both in that 6'4 range. I'd love to see like a 6'6, six, six, I guess Polite's maybe 6'5, but I'd love to see a 6'6, six, 6'7 six, six, guy who can run the court and catch those lobs in transition just to get easy buckets. Um, and I agree with you about a whether it's a convoy guard, point guard, whatever. I get really nervous thinking about what happens if either Raekwon Evans or Scotty Barnes is injured for any couple of games. I think that would leave us really short in terms of just ball handling. So I, I'd like to see a combo guard who could also serve as a, as a point, like be a serviceable point guard if we needed him to be. So I, I guess put me down for a, a seven footer, a, a shooter who ideally could also run the floor and catch lobs. And, and, a, and a point guard uh, or, or combo guard. Do, do you think is, so the grad transfer route seems to be the best way to go about those things at this point, right? There's not a lot of, there's not a ton of uncommitted top 100 or 200 basketball players, high school players. No, but, but this is when, uh, you know, you, you suddenly see a picture of, of a, of a high school player from Tennessee shoved into a, into a, Volkswagen Rabbit or whatever that was when we when we got a picture of Fiondu Cabangeli coming right. to Florida State. It's like right. who in the hell is this kid? Uh, 
you know, so, so there's, there's likely somebody out there that nobody has heard of that, that ham is like, Oh yeah, he's totally an NBA player. Um, you know, who knows if, if, if yeah. that'll come to fruition, but, but if it is, it's, it's not somebody who's going to help the team next, next year. year. Right. And like you said, uh, Florida state is going to be a good shooting team. I would, I would like to, I, I think they're going to have to rely on shooting a little more next year, which is, which is why I want them to be a great shooting team and not just a good shooting team. Um, your point about MJ Walker, who, also, it's his birthday today, so shout out oh, to MJ for, happy birthday, for that. MJ. Happy birthday. Um, uh, having him back uh, for a senior year could be huge because when he was healthy this year, he was a totally different player than we've seen in the past. And I think that he could he could really uh, team up with Scotty Barnes to, to, to be a, a, just a lethal combination on, on both ends, ends of the floor. And then, and then like we were talking about, when you have to have a high hit rate amongst all the other guys, you know, we already know that all the other guys – for the most part, have a pretty high hit rate. So if we can, you know, if we can have a like a one, two, three punch with Barnes, Walker, and Calhoun, then you know this could be a hell of a team next year. Yeah, I think it could be a hell of a team next year. I, I'm pretty, you know, a lot of folks. Oh, there it goes. They lost Trent, lost Devin, lost Pat. I guess back to the NIT for Florida State. Yeah, well, I think people said the same thing after we lost. Let's see, what was it? Uh, Biondu, Terrence, Phil Kofer. PJ Savoy, Chris Kamaji, David Nichols, and oh, just went out and went 26 and five and won the regular season ACC. So um, I think that it could be a good team. So let's actually, I've pulled up what our, um, we know we play Florida next year. We know we play in the Charleston Classic with, with some load, it's a loaded uh, uh, tournament there. It's got, it's going to have us and Seton Hall and, and uh, VCU and Tennessee, but we don't know who we're going to play yet. So let's leave that to the side for now. We know we're going to play Florida, and then we know who our home and away ACC matchups are. So, so that's 21 games that we know. Um, why don't we go ahead and just – this is really early. It'll certainly change. We can look back after we add some more talent to this team and see does that is that better talent than we expected or maybe not as good as we hoped and reevaluate. But why don't we right now walk through that? So uh, Florida we'll start with. It's probably going to be an early season game. It's going to be in Tallahassee. Uh, Leonard Hamilton absolutely owns Mike White, uh, and 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 we've consistently not just been beating Florida, but frankly taking them behind the woodshed. But Florida's going to have a team of five stars next year because they keep recruiting five stars that come in with one and done hype, and and they you know those players watch their draft stock kind of slide throughout their their first year, or in, in Andrew Nimhard's case, his second year continue to slide. And none of them really have, you know, so Trey Mann, Scotty Lewis, Andrew Nimhard, a couple other uh, big-time recruits, none of them really have any, uh, you know, real NBA, like, Scotty Lewis will eventually get drafted, but I don't think any of them are going pro this year. I guess they could surprise me, but what what do you just, right now, you know, you think we're going to beat Florida at home in the tuck? I would think so. And I mean, there's still a chance that Scotty Lewis could, could go pro, but who knows? He was projected as like a top 10 pick. You know, three I mean, he was ago. the number eight recruit coming out of high school last yeah. year. And, yeah. And they're, they are going to be loaded. They're bringing in a couple more four stars um, this year. And at some point you would think that they're going to gel, but I need to see it, you know, to, to, uh, before I believe it, it'll it, it'll it'll be a game where I th- I think Florida State will probably you know be favored, but it'll be super close. You're like favored by one or two. You know it, it, it'll be a tight one. Um, uh, Florida, you know he, he he's Mike White has has really not done much. Obviously, you know at at Florida, and if if next year's team isn't really good, then you know it's it's obviously a, a coaching problem. And, uh, you know, I, I, at this point, I would, I would definitely like Florida State's chances against a team, even though they're going to feature a bunch of five stars. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And it, it just for everything we said about Leonard Hamilton and staff, knowing who they want, what traits they're looking for, the sis, how they're going to fit within the system, I feel like the exact opposite is true at UF. And it's just this, you know, amalgam of talent and people who don't really have a role to play. Scotty Lewis can't shoot at all. Apparently he was a top 10 recruit. He can't shoot at all. And, and yet he's out him and Kerry Blackshear out launching threes. Uh, so I, yeah, I think we're going to beat 
I would say right now, give us a win over Florida. But so let's go into the, um, the ACC world. I'm going to name kind of chunks of teams. We know we like to break things down in kind of stretches. We don't know the order in which they're going to be played. So we can always factor in that there's probably going to be a schedule loss, you know, throughout the year, like the Indiana game this year was just frankly a schedule loss. But without knowing the order, let's just think about the teams. We know we're going to play our, our permanent rivals, Clemson and Miami, four times combined, home and away. I'm going to go with three and I'll just say three and one. I don't know who the one's going to be. Little John's tough. Miami, it's a rivalry. You never know. I'll say three and one in those four games. What, what are your thoughts for Clemson and Miami uh, against us next year? Way too early prediction. Yeah, Miami might have the second most blue chips in the in the conference next year, which is weird. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think three and one is is fair. Clemson is going to be Clemson, and and my Miami's had some success in the past, but I, I didn't see much out of them this year. To and they to still have Chris Lyons, who will be swallowed about. up by six four guards at Florida State, right? Yeah, and they have that Timberlake coming kid coming in, who's basically like ranked the same as Patrick Williams was. So they, they do have big, big recruits coming. Yeah, they do. I, I actually think that Wong kid for them is, is was a real re- revelation. I, I like his game a lot. I, if you told me Chris Likes was leaving Miami, I might actually be more concerned. Uh, right now, I think he just shoots them or turns them over out of games. But um, So three and one for that stretch, we both agreed. All right, here are the teams. I'm going to do them in two-team chunks. We play Boston College and Georgia Tech home and away. I will uh, – well, I'll let you say first this time since I went first on the last time. Boston College and Georgia Tech both home and away. Sweep. You think a sweep? All right. I was also going to – I think we sweep BC. Tech, that, Tech's a tough place to play. I was going to give us a loss there uh, with, with Alvarado. Like, I don't know. Tech's a tough place to play. So I was going to give us a lot of three and one. So I'm going to, let me start writing this down. We've got, um, you went three and one. We both went three and one for the first batch. You got four and oh for the next. I got three and one again. All right. North Carolina and Virginia tech, both Virginia tech who lost Landers Nolly, uh, both are home and away. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a big loss for Virginia Tech to lose Landers Nolly. I know they've got a it they've is. got a pretty good class coming in. Um, so we, we play them. We we play them both home and away. We play said. them both home and away. Yeah, I I'm going to go kind of two and two there. I think I think okay. that Virginia Tech could be could be a little better next year. And North Carolina's a wild card. They're going to have a lot of talent on next year's team. I will go another. I'll go with another three and one uh, prediction for this. I, I think that Virginia Tech just does just isn't going to have the size to deal with us. I think we sweep them, and I'll I'll say that the North Carolina gets us in Chapel Hill. They're going to be super talented, and and we rise up and defend Tuck and and win a wild one in Tallahassee. So here are the home onlys. We play them one time at home. Wake Forest and Virginia. Uh, Wake, we will beat, mm-hmm. and they're they're going to be they're not a good basketball team. Yeah, and Virginia is going to be the best team in the country, and they will they will snap Florida State's home winning streak. I will agree. Nothing more. I one hundred percent agree. Duke and NC State. We both play. We play both of them home only. Ooh, that NC State game should be a fun game. Um, they're they're gonna have they're gonna they're gonna be a great they're gonna be a good team next year. Uh, I don't think that they'll beat Florida State at home, and I say we'll split those two. You're going with a split. I will also. I can't believe I'm about to say this. This is gonna give FSU two home losses, but I will also go with a split. Uh, so I, I know, I don't know. I could easily see us winning both just because they're both at home, but I'll go with the split away only away only Louisville and Notre Dame. Yikes. Uh, Louisville. It, 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 it so much depends on whether or not scrub who's there. You know, we'll revisit. We'll, we'll come back when scrub keeps yeah. the NBA draft. 
Right. If he's playing at Louisville, we lose that game on the road. And Notre Dame, they could be sneaky good next year. I'm a little, I'm pretty, I'm pretty high on Notre Dame. Nobody's talking about them, but I'm pretty high on them for next year. And I, I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna go zero and two on that one. Zero and two. I will say that Leonard Hamilton's mastery of Chris Mack continues, and we roll into Louisville and grab another win. And I think Notre Dame. I mean, look, we, we had to go the distance with both of them in, in both our matchups this year. I think Notre Dame gets us up in uh, the Joy Center next year. So I'll go with one and one. Uh, another away only, Pitt and Syracuse. Pitt and Syracuse away only. Yeah, Pitt is obviously hurt by the tr- transfer of, of Trey McGowan's. I think that, uh, I, I th- you know, I think they're going to be a better team next year, but I think that we will beat them unless the refs decide not to let the teams play. And Syracuse is not headed in a good direction at the end of of Bayheim's career. And unless that something really weird happens and they get some great talent coming in on the uh, 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 you know transfer market or something, I'll I'll, I'll, t- I'll take Florida State sweeping those two games on the road. Okay, you got the sweep there. I told uh, I told Army Studio this the other night when we were talking about Pat. I said, until we beat Pitt at Pitt, I can't predict a win. It's, it's like the old Little John. It doesn't matter how good the team is we seem to bring up there. They beat us. I, I'm going to officially, in the way too early uh, in the way too early conversation here, change my mind. Uh, maybe I'll go back and forth. Maybe it depends on if we play them the first game of the year or not. I'll change my mind. Sorry, Aria. I'm going to go back. I do think we beat Syracuse. <laughs> I think Calhoun and MJ Walker rain threes on them next year. And, and so I'll go with a 2-0 and sweep for right now as well. So uh, that's got you down at, let's see, one, three, four, five, six, seven uh, losses. So, so that's got you down for 13-7, and seven, way too early ACC. It's got me down for one, two, three, four, five, six. So had I kept my pit loss, I'd also be 13-7, and seven, but I'm at 14-6. and six. Does that seem – I mean, I don't know. Are we rolling out a fourteen and six or a thirteen and seven ACC team next year? I I don't see why not. I mean, the ACC. Yeah, the ACC was down this year. The ACC is going to be better next year, but it's not. It's not going to be back to you know the best conference in basketball. So Florida State with three blue chip recruits on the roster, I think 13, 14 wins is totally fair at this point. All right. Well, we will we will revisit this after. Let's see who we bring in. Maybe, you know, I think if we brought in no players, I think both of us would probably revise down. <laughs> Hopefully we bring in a couple of transfers, maybe another uh, 200th ranked recruit who can go to the NBA two years later. Uh, and we'll revisit this in a couple of weeks. But I think that you're right. The ACC is going to be a lot better and Florida state's not going to fall off the map. And quite honestly, I love that we get Duke, Virginia, NC State at home I, th- I think you know the magic of Tuck can get us at least one of those wins there and and you know our road only games of Syracuse and Pitt and and Louisville I don't think those games are just like oh well can't win that mark that down as a loss you know I, th- I think the schedule falls nicely that's going to do it for us today uh, we appreciate it Ho- hopefully this will give you something to enjoy or listen to as you're uh, puttering around the house or taking the dog for the walk. And, and we'll see you next time, hopefully with news that we've brought on a, a great, a great grad transfer. All right. Take care.